All right, y'all, welcome to another episode of the Good News Cast. Uh, it's good to have you listening. Uh, my name is Colin Coates here with Jeff Hatton. Colin. Jeff, how you doing? Good, brother. We just, this episode will be a bit off the cuff. We're uh, a little pressed for time. Um, we, we're working through a paper uh, that uh, I think, Jeff mainly wrote, I did contribute to, so mm-hmm. whatever you get in trouble for with that, <laughs> right. my name's on it to a certain right, degree. Right. Um, I corrected all the, the misspelled words and things like that. No. Um, no, uh, we're working through a paper on, on these uh, podcast episodes, and so we're going to talk about justice today briefly. Um, we hear a lot about social justice. Sure. Social justice. We want justice. Um, uh, throughout the nation and in our communities. And so I want to talk about that from a biblical perspective. What does the Bible say about justice at the core and fundamentally uh, what is justice and what should we be uh, after? Uh, how should we think about justice? Um, obviously, there's a ton, there's just a ton going on. And this, uh, this conversation has been uh, raging, uh, especially in recent months, the past year um really it's been it's really been recent months right that this is just i feel like exploded maybe the past six months i mean i think so it's been going on for years right years but and i years. think you know george floyd the unity yeah. that was there with george floyd over the his murder yeah. and then i think when people started assigning an interpretation of what's happening um everything started splintering yeah and that's where we're kind of at today. We record, I think, um, uh, the verdict, the charge came out for the one police police officer maybe yesterday with the Breonna Taylor. Correct. That was uh, last yesterday. Yeah, last night. Evening. Case. Yep. So, um, so there's a lot going on. Let's talk about justice. One of the questions we ask in the paper is, what is justice yeah. in life? So if you want to uh, kind of roll with that, what is justice from right. a biblical perspective? So going with that, and, and it's this discussion, I think it's really, really important. What is justice in life? Uh, another question that might even be a little more uh, clarifying, uh, help us with a little more uh, singular focus would be who's justice? Mm-hmm. Right? Who's justice in life? Like who, who actually defines and determines and speaks into being and writes the spiritual fabric of the universe? Writes the spiritual fabric of being a human? Who's the one that uh, put into uh, all of creation? What is just? What is life? What is human flourishing uh, in terms of relating to yourself, uh, to God, to each other? And obviously, we're coming from the scripture that that's God's justice. And so what is God's justice based on? It's based on his character, who he is. It's his glory going public, his glory becoming visible in creation, visible in image bearers, visible in the way image bearers relate to him and relate to one another. And that's called the law of God. So that is the spiritual fabric of the universe. That is what justice and life is. The good, the beautiful, and the true. Ultra life, human flourishing, uh, what love is, <laughs> what all the ethical uh, realities and ideas that circle around in the world today have their ultimate source, uh, ultimate, uh, if they're an echo of anything, it's of what justice in life is in the law of God. So it's real intelligent. It's real clear because it's actually written 
not only uh, outwardly for us in the scriptures to hear, but it's written inwardly on our own heart, as the Bible says. And it's actually even outwardly in all of creation, it's proclaiming in a general way uh, the character of God, the law of God, righteousness, life, justice, the good, the beautiful, and the true. So uh, that's what it is. It's a, we call it the law of God, uh, which might, for many of us, ah, I don't know, I don't know, you know, that think more in terms of the spiritual fabric of the universe. Think of how things work, how God set things up, the order that embedded into the very creation is laws like gravity. And so if I, I could say, uh, well, you know, uh, I just like one, someone told me when I was in campus ministry, when I was at Brown university, they said, uh, you know, what do you see when you look out on the, on the grass out there? And I said, uh, he goes, what color is it? And I said, oh, it's green. And he goes, no, it's not green. It's what I say it is. I say it's orange. And I said, oh, really? It's orange because you say it's orange. So whatever you say, you're now determining the law. You're now determining what's true. I said, that's very interesting. So I said, well, just hypothetically, it's not like I would ever do this truly to you. But what if I grabbed you, took you to the top of this dorm, which is about eight stories high, and held you by your feet over the ground, above the ground. And I said to you, I do not believe gravity exists. And you're like, gravity exists. <laughs> gravity exists. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I say it doesn't. Uh, who's going to be right when, when I let go, right? Um, you could disbelieve in the way that God has designed things and made things, the fabric of the universe, um, but it will crush you. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happened. That's what sin did, right? It, it utterly decreates. Sin is a decreation. It's moving away from the good, the beautiful, and the true. It's turning from justice and life to darkness and death, mm-hmm. to a part away from creation towards decreation. That's where we see in the flood and we see all these judgments are really decreation realities. So short answer is what's justice in life it's really really clear it's the law of god and the first three have to do with our relationship with god the the other seven have to do with our relationship with each other um and it's all about loving god loving each other it's all about human flourishing and life and meaning and joy and fulfillment and and meaningful relationship with god meaningful relationship with other people meaningful relationship with god's world so um, Matthew 22, uh, uh, as elsewhere in the Bible, um, the law of God summarized um, when Jesus is asked, teacher, which is, the, uh, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So you've got those two, those, um, you've got uh, the commandments that are more focused on loving God commandments more focused on loving each other Mm -hmm. he says on these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets so jesus summarizes the law his law as love god and uh, love your neighbor love Mm. each other i often think about the law and explain the law so if you were to look at the ten commandments getting more detailed as um okay if i say hey god's law is to love god and love people how do i do that what how do i love uh, my neighbor how do I love people around me, the community around me? Well, look at the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'll kind of, I feel like people always, especially because I, I deal, I'm always talking with our youth, um, mm. you know, to, and talk about, 
it sounds so simple, um, but it really is so profound. How do I love my neighbor? Well, don't steal their stuff. Like mm-hmm. if you if you see their garage open and you're like, man, that's a sick lawnmower. That comes to mind because we're in Texas and we have lawns. Okay, <laughs> right. <laughs> like dude, that riding lawnmower right there, and you know, I've been pushing the lawnmower my whole yeah. life. Yeah, it's like uh, you know, um, okay, if I by by not taking it, I'm loving them. Yeah, but even furthermore by maybe knocking on their door and saying, hey, you might want to close your garage to protect it from someone else uh, stealing it. I'm further loving them. And it all revolves around this whole thou shall not steal. Thou shall not murder. I know it seems very simple, but how do I love my neighbor? Don't kill them when, uh, you know, maybe they steal your lawnmower yeah you know right um or 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 they overlook the fact that your front door was wide open and they left it open and you know don't thou shalt not murder right this is how communities and and the world was supposed to live operate and function and thrive and flourish Mm -hmm. honoring respecting right honoring your parents authority that that deference Mm -hmm. and um yeah and even like jesus came along and he even uh fuller in a more fuller way uh interpreted it for us whereas uh maybe it's the law in in the ten commandments summarized there uh, seems to be possibly external right behaviors things done which is great actions Mm -hmm. that are being done uh and though it's not just external right right? because we get to the law of coveting and now we're all of a sudden we're in the heart but jesus took took the whole comprehensive view of the law yeah. as a whole person and its relationships. And that's why he said, listen, if you hate, <laughs> you, you've murdered. If you yeah. lust, you're committing adultery. So just even when you even fill in and fill out the full meaning of the law, it's completely comprehensive yes. in a relationship with God, with ourselves, with others, and in community. All right, so... Um so God's law defines what justice is, and we could even expand that to see the curse of the law, right? Breaking the law, justice is getting what you deserve. This is what Jesus on the cross um, shows God to be just, because he doesn't just sweep our sin under the rug, but Jesus actually takes, he, he gets justice for yeah. our sin. Not his sin, he has none for our sin. Yep. Um, and, it, and the cross actually shows God to be, as Paul says, um, not only the justifier of sinners, but just. Again, he didn't sweep our sin under the rug. He actually mm-hmm. dealt with it and and by keeping it on our behalf, yeah, positively rec- doing the requirements of the law and then negatively taking its uh, penal realities yeah. for us on the cross. Yeah, so the law was fulfilled. Justice and life is now ours. Yeah, as a savior, as he is our savior. So I've got a couple notes down to kind of talk about everything going on with uh, the current movement in the culture, but what are ways or, yeah, specific ways, areas that you see the the conversation on justice, the conversation on social justice missing the mark in light of what we just talked about, in light of that biblical perspective on whose justice, God's justice, how is it defined, it's defined in his law and what the just life looks like. How's the current everything going on missing the mark yeah i mean if we're just going off the cuff here it seems that um possibly possibly in our communication of of justice that uh it's narrowed in on an aspect of justice maybe in how we treat each other particularly race race relations uh racism um 
And in doing so, it's got that sliver which needs to be looked at. Uh, but maybe even it goes even a little more deeper into that particular area of whether it's uh, feeling superior, building your identity around your race. Therefore, uh, those that share your race, you feel superior to. Those that do not share your race, don't share your righteousness, don't share your justification, are condemned, right? Which would be one if one side gets salvation, the other side gets condemnation and death. Uh, that's real racism, and that can happen individually in individual relationships, case-by-case basis. It can happen in the world in terms of corporate flesh, in terms of systems, and possibly we'll talk about uh, a perspective of systemic uh, racism in other shows. But right here, what I see happening is is that we'll take that uh, social justice aspect and then um, define it in such a way that is not comprehensive in terms of God's justice. It gets so narrow that it might be even uh, untrue aspects of God's justice. Say, for instance, like if we talk about um, racism and we we talk about it in a certain way that does not include, um, well, it doesn't include the murder of unborn black babies, Mm -hmm. uh, that would not be justice. Uh, that dynamic would have to be into, if you're looking for justice in this particular area, the Ten Commandments, God's law, would actually say, here's a comprehensive justice in life. And it would, uh, it would racism would not only look like these, these heart realities and systemic realities that take place in policies, or you know, mostly we're looking at slavery, Jim Crow laws, things before the civil rights, and even stuff we can talk about that's present. Uh, but it also includes <laughs> it also includes the destruction of the black family and also includes policies that have done that LBJ's policies that the the black family was intact 75 percent intact as in those horrific ugly wretched times of slavery Jim Crow laws uh, pre and during uh, civil rights era and then Lyndon B Johnson comes in and puts in policies that the, the family during those horrific times, the black family was 75% intact. Mm-hmm. I heard the stats. I've seen the stats. They were, I want to say, 10 to 12 uh, uh, children were born in black families out of wedlock. Well, now it's the family's 25% intact. Mm-hmm. And stats, statistics, you want solid stuff, not just ideas and theories and assertions and interpretations. You can see that the change happened with the instigation of, of policies that went into the black family and incentivized black women to marry the state mm-hmm. and emasculated uh, the male. And then you can see if the family is a part of God's law, like because it's written into the law, if the family is something that God has actually, like gravity, put into a relational dynamic and made it to be a place of justice and life and human flourishing, and you intentionally destroy that, you intentionally go against gravity, you're going to get hurt. Relationships are going to get hurt. People are going to get hurt. Um, so in that sense, when I, when I hear calls of justice and I don't see that being addressed, I, I, I'm like, what, what are right. we doing? Right. What are we doing? And then, and then Margaret Sanger coming in and, and systematically saying, it's on record, you can look at the records, wanting to wipe out the black race. Yeah. Through abortion. And nobody talks about that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, right. I feel like I'm losing my mind. Yeah, me too. Or 
I just, I guess I just don't get it. Yeah. That's the only thing I can say. So I think in, in, in the paper you, you wrote selective outrage is not justice. And I know for you and me, and I think, I think we agree on this pretty well, um, or thoroughly is that is one of the places that I, I totally agree with you where I lose my mind. And, um, where I don't understand it, it's incomprehensible to me that when we, when you fly the banner, this is, this is one of my big fundamental problems. When you fly the banner of social justice, justice in general, that's mm-hmm. a huge banner, right? That right. Y- you might as well be saying, I want to uphold God's law. Right. But then you only focus on, you're like, I want to uphold God's law. I want to uphold the 10 commandments in America. Let's say I'm using this kind of il- illustration, but then the only thing I ever talk about is when I'm making this up off the top of my head here, when a short person steals lawnmowers from tall people, mm-hmm. right? In other words, it's, it's highly selective, right? That illustration don't think about it any longer than I just said it. Cause I don't <laughs> know what it means. <laughs> right. It's what I'm saying is selective, right? I don't care when a tall person steals. I don't care when a, this person does this or that. I I've, I've, I've become highly selective. That's one of my big issues is, the banner being waved is this big, broad banner of social justice, and um, and um, all people are, you know, especially in the church, right? That's what I'm typically like listening to and most moved by, moved negatively or positively, is the idea we're all made in God's image, we're all image bearers, this and that. But yet, for instance, um, if you are shot and killed, if you're a black man or a black woman shot and killed. Um, Black Lives Matter Incorporated will not give a rip if you were wearing a police officer's uniform when that happened. They will not give a rip about you. So then I'm going, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I thought the whole banner was all Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. That's what I believe personally, Colin right. Coates, <laughs> like all Black Lives Matter. Yep. Um, but But suddenly we don't care. We do not care apparently if about a black person if they're in a certain profession we don't care about a certain black person if they haven't been born yet we only care and and this is where i want to encourage our listeners to uh, listen to the just thinking podcast black lives matter question mark they did about a two and a half hour episode diving into black lives matter incorporated not the idea we all agree black lives matter it's not up for debate um Black Lives Matter Incorporated, and they talk about this very thing, and they dissect and they show so fantastically how Black Lives Matter Incorporated just doesn't care about black people. It, it's not about black lives. They use highly selective cases um, for a much bigger purpose, and it's not about justice, and it's not about um, people being uh, treated as as people in the image of God. But anyway, that's where I too start to mm-hmm. lose my mind. As I go, wait a minute. If we want, if we're talking about justice and life and righteousness in America, it makes zero, and I mean zero sense to me, that the same woke communities that can't stop talking about police violence against black people, though 99% of what they say is just wrong, um, they can't seem to open their mouth to talk about the millions of babies particularly black babies who've been targeted by Planned Parenthood, they can't seem to open their mouth to say anything about that. Mm -hmm. So to me that says, oh, okay, whatever this is about, it's not about God's justice. It's really not 
about making sure all humans are treated as image bearers. It's about something else. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's, yeah. And then we're into selective outrage and that's what we mean by selective outrage. Selective outrage is not justice. It's a narrative. And, um, so how would you, how would we respond? Like what, what, what what would we do? Well, it seems in some of these definitions of, uh, what, social justice is, uh, rather than looking at real systemic injustice, like the murder of black babies, the murder of human babies, period, that that's something we should be actively engaged in seeing not happen Mm -hmm. politically, spiritually, right? Relationally, making friends, I mean, doing active stuff in that. And, and as well as addressing the, the destruction of family units that Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. contribute to a whole host of things. And I'm not saying anything radical. I mean, the black community has been saying this. President Obama said this. He completely outlined the devastating effects of fatherless, broken homes in the Mm -hmm. black community. So the church, we need to be about that as well. And we need to be about uh, the economic impacts of all of that. I mean, this is real stuff that we can get behind and real do and be a part of and should be in terms of uh, looking at God's justice. It gives a more whole, complete, uh, image-bearing, relational, uh, loving God, loving one another dynamic, as opposed to just what seems to be a one-issue thing. And and I I don't know, I, I feel like I've heard this before. I feel like what we're doing now is there's one particular narrative that is completely become almost like I want to say an idol, uh, this understanding of racism, I'm not saying, again, a particular understanding of racism has become so big that it swallows up everything mm-hmm. and it almost starts negating le- real against God's justice mm-hmm. racism that happens in the past and present. And then it doesn't give any intelligent way forward. So you don't even know what to do, mm-hmm. Right. Um, whereas the clarity of God's law is just that. The Bible Mm -hmm. talks over and over again about an intelligent repentance, that you're convicted. That's Mm -hmm. an intelligent repentance. And it's an intelligent repentance because it's intelligent because it's based on God's law. Mm -hmm. That's where we get convicted of falling short. That's where there's restoration and there's movement in positive directions towards justice and mm-hmm. towards life and towards loving God and loving one another, uh, n- not these incomprehensible 1,000-page treaties on stuff that I can't figure out and most people yeah. can't figure out except the academy on what racism yeah. really is. Yeah. I think that's another, this is the last thing I'll say, but I think that's another note on the Bible is clear about what's right and wrong. It, it doesn't it doesn't leave all this ambiguity about like about what's what's righteousness and what's holiness and what's sin and what's evil. Um, but I find almost nothing but a lack of clarity, almost nothing but confusion and almost nothing but ambiguity and question marks surrounding how to achieve social justice now. So to, right. to use the language of being an anti-racist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, again, I said this in episode one or two, I've been listening to this conversation for 10 years. Um, I was at a conference and, um, 
someone got on stage and they basically said, you know, white people will ask me how to help. What can you do? And the answer on stage at this massive evangelical conference was be aware. Just be aware. Awareness. That was the like practical application. This is what you can do. 10 years later, I'm still asking people literally in real life, what, what am I supposed to do? You know, like I'm hearing that, that systems are oppressing black people. Okay. What systems and what do I do? And I cannot get answers. I can't get answers on what is the law in place right now that's oppressing a certain people group that we need to get off the books or what are people actually doing out there in real life? Like for me to be, to fight against racism. Right. It's very easy for me when it comes to abortion, meaning right. abortion, it's legal. It's a literal legal system that is upheld in the court of law <laughs> that you can do. It is a murder that is legal. Mm-hmm. That is clear as day. It's concrete. Okay. Now I can think of off the top of my head, 100 ways to fight against that. Mm-hmm. And we could say with laws that are intentionally destroying families, right? Yeah. And finding yes. those out. And we can say particular case by case, individual cases, uh, corporate cases in terms of when I say corporate group cases where things can happen. Uh, also, uh, we could see police reform happening in in certain ways of training and certain ways of doing things that are helpful. I mean, there's some real practical things yeah. that can be done, yeah. right? But I hear you, but the answers that I seem to be getting um, have more to do with things that I can't do anything about. Right. Uh, because most of the systemic racism seems to be communicating you being a white person. Yes. And because there are more white people than black people, this is more of a Marxist understanding of justice where power is the power and the collective is more the lens of looking at meaning in life and how identities formed and how justice in life takes place. So if you are, uh, if you are the majority and that means you have the power, your identities in your power, the collective, um, ethics and dynamics and justice are in power. If you have the majority in your power and you're white, you're the problem. Right. So until you're not in power, nothing can be fixed. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that is so not Christianity. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, it's so not Christianity. Yeah. So again, I feel like I started saying this and I never finished it, like same tune, you know, same tune, different song or whatever. I feel like we just went through this with poverty. Yeah. yeah. I feel like poverty was the the hermeneutic, was the salvation, yeah. was the righteousness, and was the condemnation, if you weren't a part of it, that swallowed up everything. Yeah. That was what the Bible was all about. Yeah. That was the lens. And I would say that that became an idolatry, although we certainly yeah. need to have that addressed. And now I think racism or a way of looking at racism, a way or an interpretation of looking at race has now become very idolatrous. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, it, now everything, including the Bible, is becoming seen through that lens of how is the Bible. It's just the assumption being made is that the Bible, it, it is kind of what happened with poverty. The assumption was that if the Bible is talking, it's probably talking about poverty. And that's kind of what's happening with race and racism. And again, it's a specific view of poverty. Yeah. It's a specific view of race. It's a specific yeah. view of justice, right? Social justice. Right. We, If we're going to talk about it, we're going to talk about it in terms of 
God's law because yeah. it's very, very clear. It's very, very intelligent. It's very, very, uh, it's written in us, in the world. And when we repent, we're repenting and turning back to that. Yeah. Not, not like to the, to the cloud, the spiritual law cloud of social justice, wherever that is. I, yeah. How do I repent in there? Yeah. I don't know where to go. Where is the cloud? You know, yeah. it's that kind of dynamic that is very unhelpful. Yeah. It's unhelpful. And we're, I think the, the thing is we're, we're thinking about this. We're reading about this. We're talking about this. We're open. You and I, I think, started a good fundamental level, which is we believe that if, if the human heart can think up a sin, it's surely alive somewhere. Yeah. And, um, and given America's history with racism, we would be foolish and stupid to just start out with premise number one is like, I bet racism isn't alive and I bet it's not here, right? right. So we start with the premise of like, we understand sin, we understand America's history. Um, we're super open. I mean, the bottom line is, is the position you and I have on a lot of these things, it, it would be so much easier to just go with the flow. Like right. it, it doesn't, this is not the easy thing to say, like the things we're saying on this podcast in our paper, it, we know that we are cutting against the grain of, of so much of the world and in, in the church. So we're like very open to discussion and conversation. So that's why I say reach out to us on goodnewsnotgoodadvice.com. Let us know your critiques, your agreements, your disagreements, your questions. Um, we're very open to this, but but what you and I keep coming back to again and again is like, I can't find the data to support the conclusions yep. and the accusations. I can't find the reality. I can't find the facts. I can't find the concrete stuff. And every time I press, again, uh, uh, someone in the woke crowd that I'll, that's, I'll, I'll say it. Every time I press them, I either get no answer or I get a sidestep non-answer or I get something that flirts on the line of like, okay, Colin, you're just like in the wrong. So I'm not even going to like talk to you. I can't get just simple concrete. The Bible's concrete and clear. Mm -hmm. We want our repentance to be intelligent and concrete. I know what I'm repenting for. I'm searching for that still. 10 years later, I'm still searching for the evidence to show these massive premises that police are hunting down black people day in and day out. Mm -hmm. If that's happening, I want to be against it. I want to mm -hmm. fight against it. I want to vote in the right people to end it. Yes. Yes. And we're also saying, listen, so that you understand, we're going to offend everybody. I have people come up to me and said, Jeff, you sound like a, a liberal. Uh-huh. Uh, Jeff, you sound like a conservative. Uh-huh. Um, Jeff, it, because, because the gospel is a third way right? Mm -hmm. And so we know that, uh, that we're going to touch upon things that uh, are true across the board, and we're going to eventually start looking at legit, we're going to look at racism and slavery, we're going to look at racism and the Jim Crow laws, right? We're going to look at stuff like this is legit, and we're going to look at its devastating effects. We'd be absolutely foolish and stupid when the scripture is so clear about how sin impacts not just one generation, but impacts several generations, and look at the effects. And we're going to look at the effects of, of real racism, but we have to establish what real racism is, or we can't see it in the past, and we can't see it in the present, mm -hmm. and we can't move forward in any redemptive way. Mm -hmm. If it's this in-the-cloud kind of understanding of racism, it's not helpful. Right. 
at all. And we need, we need clarity on that. All right. We'll keep this up next week. Thanks for listening, guys. Reach out to us anytime uh, on goodnewsnotgoodadvice.com. You can find all these episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. And until next time, peace.